Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Lockdown Guardians. When I say week, I should say the Friday edition of Lockdown Guardians. I do want to apologize to listeners who didn't get the show till Thursday uh, from the Wednesday show. I got it all loaded up for Roundup Wednesday and then apparently forgot to hit schedule. So I did want to lead off there. Today's show, though, we're going to talk about the, we're going to rank the lineups. It's supposed to be one segment. We know I'm a long talker. It's probably going to go two. After that, we will discuss some draft history uh, on the show today. And if we have some time, we'll do a little bit at the end with where I think, when I think this season's going to begin, and specifically why I think we're probably looking at uh, at least a month or two lost of this year's season. And all of that will be in just a moment on the show. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For those who don't know me, as it says in the bottom of the screen, or, or if you're listening to Audibly, my name is Jeff Ellis. Uh, this is episode 667, according to iTunes. We are still one iTunes a, a review away from an even hundred. You could be that person. Go give a review. I've been hosting this uh, show since baseball became part of the Lockdown Network. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at 24-7 and Scout. Before that, I wrote a Denise Prospect Insider and appeared on pretty much every Cleveland sports blog. Cleveland fan, waiting for next year. Uh, I was there uh, either through podcast or mentioning, mostly from my draft and prospect writing. Now I focus here on the Guardians, but I also do enjoy the draft, which is why you get that Wednesday wrap-up every week talking about college baseball uh, let's give a local shout out before I dive into the best and worst and just overall rankings of lineups in the division. How about Anthony Fett at University of Akron? I spent too much time today seeing uh, which Fett uh, he could compare to size-wise. The problem is he's too big. Uh, yes, I was making Star Wars uh, jokes there. I was like, well, maybe he could be a, a breaker from Bad Batch. Isn't that his name? Maybe I'm, I have it wrong. The big guy. But I, I was trying to go through and uh, make some Star Wars content. He's pitched decently well. Akron's had a hard schedule. I was trying to think, top of my head, was it George? Did they face Georgia as well? They, they have faced a ranked team, and I already had that whole thing on Wednesday show. If you listen about the fact that, you know, Tommy White is the big name. I, I talked about this in tweets today. Brad Malm is one less home run, and he's faced better competition. So right now it's the time to check out those small school guys because they are facing top-ranked teams. But Anthony Fett has pitched decently well for Akron. I think he's their Sunday starter. Good staff. I didn't talk about him when I did previews. Uh, yes, I was raised on that campus. Yes, my father was part of the uh, – my grandfather was uh, had his picture up in the jar. Uh, I don't think it's probably still there anymore. It's been a while since I've been on campus. But Akron holds a special place in my heart. Uh, enough of that. Let's get into the previews. So should we start with the best lineup? Now, this is – I went through and, you know, roster resource lays things out and it is nice, but it's also like, I, I really don't think Spencer Torkelson's going to start the year at first base for the Tigers, nor do I think Bobby Witt's going to start the year at third base for the Royals. I don't think it's quite true. I also kind of hate their power rank. It's not the best. So, but at the same time, if I just go and look up stats, for instance, it's a big difference for a team like the Tigers who added Javi Baez. But if we are just, I mean, most of these other teams though, if you go through, like the Indians, no free agent additions. Talked about the Tigers in terms of free agent additions. Kansas City's free agent additions to their lineup. 
That's right. There wasn't one. <laughs> there just wasn't. Uh, the twins, they, they weren't out there spending or wheeling in the free agent market. The division wasn't in general. I mean, the White Sox ended, uh, added Kendall Graveman. Uh, that's outside of Baez, the biggest addition. So it's pretty clear. I mean, maybe not clear isn't the right word, but I think you can make a strong bet that the top lineup belongs to Chicago White Sox. And just looking at something simple like runs created plus with 100 being the baseline, like how many teams had players with over 200 plate appearances that are still with their team uh, with runs created pluses over uh, 100? You know, the White Sox had one, two. I'm only going to count for them. Three, four, five, six, seven. And that's after trading Nick Madrigal. And that's with someone like Gavin Sheets at a, with 179, close to that number. And a 125 runs created plus. Uh, Adam Engel, 140, and he had a 127. Uh, you know, Yerman Mercedes, remember how hot he was at the start of the year? He still ended with a 102. Uh, and that's, you know, Eloy Jimenez with his injury ended with 231 plate appearances. And he was about league average, a 101. It didn't come together for him. Andrew Vaughn was below league average. You got to imagine he's going to take a step forward this year. Uh, and again, we'll see what they do with some of these players. You know, full healthy season for someone like Yoan Mankata. Uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal might surprise you was the highest. Follow then Luis Robert. Two, three. Uh, there's the diabetic cat who wants to join the show every time now. Say say hi, Nacho. Uh, Jose Abreu is your number three for them. Then Mankata. Then Anderson. You know, they're good. They're deep. They have a lot of things going for them. And it's nice, you know, when you have, like, Gavin Sheets as a backup option. I think he will be their DH. But if he is DHing and Abreu's at first base, that means Andrew Vaughn isn't necessarily playing every day unless he plays in the outfield, which he potentially could. Then I guess you move Adam Engel, who performed well to the bench. Um, second base is, is an issue. They re-signed uh, Lurie Garcia to... Uh, to take over there. They did not pick up the very affordable option on uh, Cesar Hernandez because he just wasn't very good. Uh, and he went uh, over to play with the Washington Nationals. He did sign a contract. But they've got those players. And if you look at this lineup, again, right now Andrew Vaughn is not projected as a starter for them. And it's not a perfect lineup. They could definitely use some upgrades. And unfortunately for them, there isn't really help coming. I mean, the top prospects, you're probably looking like you know, can Micker uh, Adolf, Adolfo uh, stay healthy and prove himself? I was really high on him a few years ago, but I mean, he's he's an older prospect. And then Jake Berger, who has just overcome so much. I You can go, well, you can. We've discussed this. Scout uh, purged everything, and then 24-7 purged everything. It's like I didn't exist as a writer. But I was extremely high on Jake Berger. I thought he was a really good prospect. And he just kept having freak injuries, and he performed when given an opportunity. Unfortunately, where does he play when you have Kevin Sheets, who performed well, and you've got Andrew Vaughn, who was a high pick, who, you know, it was performed well, you know, performed decently well. He wasn't like a, a world beater. I, th- I think maybe a little bit of a disappointment, but you expect him to grow and, and perform uh, better. But, yeah, I mean, Berger's blocked. Like, if if the White Sox weren't a division rival, they, they'd make sense for the Indians to trade with them because the White Sox could use up the middle help. Again, you know, uh, Lieri Garcia is going to be their starting second baseman. That's not good for them. Uh, they traded away Madrigal. They didn't keep Cesar. Now, <laughs> the Cesar trade was in division, so who knows? Maybe trades like that could still happen. But uh, the White Sox just, and they don't have the pieces to go out and really, I'm not a Jared Kelly guy. 
uh, never have been. You know, I was lower on him. I was lower on Colson Montgomery, too, than most. So I, I don't love their system. Now, the Zips projections, we know, like that system. But in terms of lineups, so <laughs> keeping track at home, top rotation, top lineup, top pen, all belong to the Chicago White Sox. Number two in this division, it's either Tigers or Twins. These are clearly the two and three for the Tigers. So who's got a runs created plus over 100 left with them? Well, that's Luis Arez, Miguel Sanio, Jorge Polanco, Josh Donaldson. Uh, Brian Buxton and Mitch Garver. And then you have the guys who are close, like in the mid-90s, like Alex Kirilov, who's only 23, or Max Kepler, who's traditionally you know, a better performer than he was a year ago. I think they're pretty solidly the second-best lineup in the division. They do have some question marks. Uh, you know, you were hoping by now that Royce Lewis would be their starting shortstop or Nick Gordon would maybe have stepped up. Not Nick Gordon. Was it Nick Gordon? Was Yeah, Nick Gordon was the other high pick. The high picks haven't worked out. Um Trevor Larnick will probably be one of their outfielders, and he was okay, but not great a year ago. And defensively, you know, I guess Kirilov or Larnick, Larnick is one of those is your DH. Uh, and then I mean, Buxton covers so much ground, so who cares about the defense really in the grand scheme of things? But yeah, they you know Polanco will move back to short. They're done with the the Andrelton Simmons. Uh, I like that signing a year ago; it didn't work out for them. Uh, but where they are right now. I think they're solidly number two. They they could and they could be one. Like it, they are two with the potential to end up the top lineup. Uh, I think the gap there is not huge between those two teams. So we're gonna come back after a quick break, talk about three, four, five, actually get to your Cleveland Guardians and where they rank in the division in terms of the lineup. And our first sponsor is Built Bar. I got my order. So what I got was the Crave, the eggnog, and the the equivalent over the Oreo. Uh, I love Built Bar. I, I'm kind of sad I didn't get the churro puff. I don't know what was wrong with me. What I wasn't, it wasn't on sale. Like, it wasn't one of the ones I think that was 25% off. There's always something good going on at BuiltBar.com. I'll go today. Guess what? Peanut butter already sold out. Uh, by the time I've pulled this open, you know, 12 hours for that flavor to sell out. And that doesn't surprise me. I would think that they would do peanut butter super well. <laughs> sold out in like 12 hours. Still can get a churro puff. Get the puffs mixed, honestly. I would highly recommend that. If I didn't have a box of three boxes upstairs, I'd be doing that right now. Or how about a coconut bundle? They do coconut, coconut, they do coconut really well. I am a fan of coconut. If you are a fan of coconut, buy two, save 20%. That's an awesome deal currently going on at BuiltBar.com. Remember when you go to BuiltBar.com to use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% on your order. I never get tired of their product. I buy their product. I use my own money. It's not just because they give it to me for free. Honestly, I don't get big free samples from them anymore. It's like every three months I get a little box with like five in it. I am feeding my Built Bar uh, love with my own money. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Remember that promo code is LOCK15. That is also what I use when I buy. Uh, Save yourself some money at Built Bar and eat a little healthier. So I'm going to experiment with something today. Little pauses here and there. How bad I've moved my desk around trying to get a little bit better lighting in the basement as we do this switch to video. So I need to know how bad now that I'm a little bit closer to the AC unit in the podcasting basement slash dungeon uh, is that sound. Let me know if this is something where I need to uh, mess with the heating unit or figure out a better way to, uh, to block off that sound. So this is where I need the listener to help me out. So make sure to, to help me, right? Third, Tigers. Like there's clearly a top three in this division. We can debate the rest. 
So the Tigers, in terms of how many players in their lineup who had more than 200 plate appearances, had a runs created plus over 100. Well, Eric Haas had 389, and he had 100 even. You had Jonathan Shoup, you had Akil Badu, you had Robbie Grossman, and you had Jaimer Candelario. That's five. They went out and added Javi Baez, who, even in his down year last year, was still a 116 uh, over the course. You know, the 2020 season was very rough on him, but he's still been, for most of his career, an above-average bat. That gives him six guys. That's why you can make a case for them to be two. You can make a case where if guys like Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson get to the big leagues this year, if they get there and perform, this could, again, potentially be the top lineup in, in the American League Central. All three of these teams I mentioned here have a legit chance of that happening. Um, and that's even if someone like Grossman comes back to earth. I, I believe in Grossman. You should know that if you listen to the show by now. I feel like I've been uh, you know, preaching about how I'd have loved the Guardians to have added him a million times through the uh, how when the show has gone on. But, uh, yeah, he, he performed very well last year. That's why, you know, it's funny. You can go back to when I was discussing with my friends over at the Tigers SDR podcast. And I had Rogelio on the show, and he and I are talking, and, you know, he's, like, jealous that we added Eddie Rosario with the Guardians. Uh, I know I shouldn't use we. That's going to annoy some of you. But that they got Guardi- that, that the Guardians added Rosario at a good price, where on the other side of things, the Tigers added Grossman, and it felt like a gross overpay. Uh, but Grossman was great. Rosario was trash. Uh, yes, he was great in the postseason. Not so great in Cleveland itself. So it worked out for, for the Tigers. And again, they have the big guns coming up. They've got two of the top 10 prospects in baseball. That gives them even more depth. This is, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if the Tigers are the number two team in the division. They have the pieces, they have the parts, and they have the youth moving through the system to make them a really interesting team. Uh, and if they're committed to start spending again, you know, you're going to wake the sleeping Tiger. And just something to keep in mind. But I think they're very clearly three. So this comes down to Cleveland and Kansas City. Who is the worst lineup in the Central? Kansas City, in terms of bats, with 200 plate appearances, with a runs created plus over 100, they had Salvador Perez, Nicky Lopez, Andrew Benintendi. Whit Merrifield, starting to lose it. 91. They missed the window to trade him. Still had a war of 3.2, a solid defender. Uh, you know, Whit Merrifield, uh, Alton, who... Uh, you know, provided the great idea of like why prospects fail and it started that series where I went through all those failed prospects you know he asked kind of about Richie Palacios could he be um Whit Merrifield and I think I mean honestly your best outcome for getting a Whit Merrifield of having a player that's Whit Merrifield is is Ty Freeman that's that's the guy who's more Whit Merrifield-y like if you want to know what the high outcome if everything works perfectly for Ty Freeman, he turns into Whit Merrifield. Good or bad, you know, how you, I mean, I would view that as good. I think <laughs> Whit Merrifield has been a solid major leaguer. A little bit overrated at points, but he has been a very productive producer for uh, Kansas City. But he has certainly declined. Carlos Santana, after his hot start, ended the year with an 83 runs created plus. You know, they, they had a lot of players not perform well for them. They didn't add anything in free agency, so you look at this team... You know, what do you think of Whit Merrifield? We discussed, he's in decline. Nicky Lopez, he's not even guaranteed to be the starting shortstop. Salvador Perez, how long is he going to really keep that up? You know, last year felt like a bit of an aberration. He's a good hitter, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to repeat what he did a year ago. 
And that's the other thing. Like in general, look at that team in Kansas, in Kansas City. 127 runs created plus for Salvador Perez. Lopez and Benatendi were 106s. We come over and we discuss Cleveland, the other side of things, as we debate this. 137 for Jose Ramirez. That's better than Salvador Perez. He's a better hitter. The Indians have a better cornerstone hitter. Franmo Reyes at a 125 uh, was, you know, basically in the same ballpark as Salvador Perez. Then you add in uh, Miles Straw. Now, again, with Cleveland, it was only 268, but still a 108. Uh, that's that's unfortunately it. You know, Bobby Bradley at a 99 is close. Uh, there's not a whole bunch else there. I mean, Josh Naylor was a 90. And I'll, I'll say this again. If Josh Naylor, a lot of faith is being put in him. If he had done all year what he did before his injury, he likely would have been designated for assignment at the end of the year instead of paying him. Like, that's, that's the thing. I don't know if you really want to be gun-ho that that guy is for sure negative uh, 0.6 war. I mean, it was not a good year. He was not performing well before he got hurt, and he's had a lot of opportunities in the big leagues. So just we'll keep that in mind. But the Indians' top three is better than the Royals' top three. Could the Indians add someone? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Bobby Witt is fantastic and should play for the Royals in the big leagues at some point this year. I've been a Kyle Isabel fan from his UNLV days. I think he'll be a league average outfielder, maybe a little better. Nick Prado was one of the best performers in uh, the minor leagues last year. That's three really interesting prospects. Cleveland's counter argument is I talked about Richie Palacios. You know, he, he's a forgotten man. They have Nolan Jones, Gabriel Arias, uh, Steve Kwan, who all spent significant, significant amount of time in AAA and are ready to go. So the Indians have a better lineup. They have. They don't have the big-name prospect. They don't have Bobby Witt. You know, they don't have kind of that star. But they have more options. So I think Cleveland is pretty clearly four. I think Cleveland is the fourth lineup in the division. They have more at the top. Kansas City is the worst lineup in the American League Central. That's my view on it. Uh, Cleveland, maybe you're surprised. Maybe you thought I'd put them last. I know we tend to get frustrated with them. But, again, Jose Ramirez is really, really good. He is the best hitter in the American League Central. And I'm not going to debate you on it. No, I'm not. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes probably should get an extension. You probably want to negotiate that now uh, and lock up a few years. He was excellent when healthy. And then you've got some interesting guys who are on the cusp. Plus, you had Miles Straw, who looked like a fantastic addition to the team. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Ahmad Rosario was close to average. Uh, they could still swing in an interesting trade or two, too, or sign a free agent. They seem to be setting themselves up to add more talent once everything gets figured out. We are going to take our last break. Before we do it, okay, final order. Ti- t- Tigers. Ooh. I really like the Tigers' future. Like, I've been higher on the Tigers than the Royals for the last two years. So I like the Tigers, like, five years from now. Well, three years from now, Tigers first in the division. Uh, but right now, lineup. White Sox, Twins. I'm gonna go, actually, I'm flipping it. White Sox, Tigers, Twins. I'm, after <laughs> saying all of that, I'm moving it. Uh, you know, I'm going through, I like the Tigers more. So White Sox, Tigers, Twins, Guardians, probably said Indians a dozen times because that's what I do, and then Royals, worst lineup in the division. Let me know what you think. Let me know how the sound is going, and we're going to take our second break. We're going to come back have some fun with the draft, and talk about when I think this baseball season will actually begin and why I think the baseball season will will begin at a certain point in time. Football is over. 
sad but true. Though the combine is currently happening. Uh, I haven't gone over to bet online in a while. I'd be curious to see. Sometimes you get some fun prop bets on things like the combine. Go check that out. But while football is mostly over, basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where to, to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores and podcasts, well, other than this one, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So when's baseball coming back? Mid-May. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a mid-May situation. Why mid-May? Well, it kind of came out today that essentially there's a, you don't have to, there's no make good. The owners don't have to make up the first 25 lost games. So if you're an owner, you don't even care about the first 25 games being lost. You're like, what about revenue? Well, opening day is whenever opening day is. Like, it doesn't matter if it's in April. It doesn't matter if it's in May. You're going to sell that game out. Now, what I can tell you, having spent time in the minors and the majors and around front office types and around news types, uh, everyone complains about the fact that like April and you know, April baseball is awful. It is not a good time to be an owner. Uh, you, you get really low attendance. You have bad weather. It is colder. Kids are still in school. So parents don't want to necessarily go out late at night and then have to deal with getting home late. There's a lot of, you know, moving parts. And then once you get to the end of May, it's like school's almost done. Parents are not necessarily as worried about that. Sometimes it's like, okay, we took them to a game. But just stay home the next day. You know, you know that things are wrapping up. And in Ohio, you know, I kind of look back fondly. I mean, I often look back fondly. Love you, Rittman. That was, you know, the best district I ever taught in. But uh, in Ohio, everything has to be done before June. So the end of May in particular there, it's like, okay, now everything's good to go. The weather is getting warmer. Uh, People can go to day games, night games. You don't have to worry about the next day as much if you... You know, you're taking your family out. There's a lot of things, and attendance always goes up as we get into the summer. And with owners not losing any money if the first 25 games are canceled, it's like, well, you look at the operating expenses of those games. I'm not saying they break even. They definitely make money on having those games. But when you look at not having to pay the players for 25 games, they might make more money by not playing those games. Like, the operating expenses at the ballpark might be one thing because it's going to be smaller crowds. But not paying players for, you know, should I, I mean, I guess I should have done the math, right? 25 uh, divided by 162, that's what, 15% of the season? So 15% of the season is lost. That's 15% of those the players' salaries you don't have to pay. That's, honestly, you're probably, the owners probably want to miss 25 games. They will make more money with that, and they'll still get their expanded playoffs. Now, there could be some thought if you are the owners, too, and, and you might think, well, losing all of April, and, you know, there's always, you know, just the way the schedule shapes up, it's like, could, can you get to mid-May and have only missed 25 games? Well, if they're in danger of losing more, they'll just figure out some double headers and some ways to get it in there. But I think you're really looking at an intentional you know, holding the the players' feet to the fire as long as possible, knowing that you know losing twenty five games is probably better for your bottom line, and I think that's what we're kind of looking at uh, in this situation. 
And again, mid-May, that's when attendance picks up. And if everything sets up, it's like, okay, people will start coming out in May. It'll be good weather. Uh, You'll have people continually hoping they're coming out. I mean, they might also be making a terrible assumption that everyone's going to just be happy that baseball is back. And I hate to be the one to tell you, but it won't be. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of, you know, people, same, people, baseball has just the dumbest rules. And it's like, let people enjoy the game. Like, bat flip should happen. These unwritten rules are dumb. Like, let there be joy. Let people do over-the-top celebrations. Uh, you know, model after what, like, Korean baseball does, where it's like their championship trophy is a giant sword, not a quote-unquote, as the commissioner called it, hunk of metal. Um, you know, let players celebrate. Let guys, you know, show some swagger. The fact that I know about swag and swagger means it's probably actually a term that's outdated and not used by hip people anymore. But it doesn't change the fact that, like, let's embrace that. Things that might make it a little more interesting to younger generations. We don't have to completely change the game to just, if someone's happy they did well, like, like the fact that we're like, oh, you know, act like you've been there, that's fine if that's your thing. But, like, if a guy wants to do backflips down the bases, let him do backflips down the bases. I, that doesn't affect me. That's Maybe I'm just too much of a results-focused uh, analytic mind, but it, however it gets us there. So this is really off topic. It's a different rant of mine in general. But yeah, I just think you're going to see baseball not start till 25 games are lost. Like that's a very intentional number. That is the fact that that is there because TV money is the big part anymore. Like that matters the most. Uh, And even if they lose more than 25 games, then they'll just make good. Like that is where we are with the sport. They'll figure out ways. But mid-May, I think that is probably what we're looking at for baseball's return. I think we'll stay locked out uh until then i you know i don't know where the compromise is going to be i will say what i've said all along you know traditionally uh fans agree with ownership and view the players as the negative and the reason is that is you know players leave you like your owner stays he may choose not to pay anyone and that's led to its own issues here in cleveland but it's always like well you know if this was a capped league and i mean there's there is truth to the fact that if there was a cap of some sort, it would allow teams to stay together. And I would love the idea of a cap league if we had open books and if we knew, like, okay, players get, it's like the NBA or the NHL where it's like they get 52 or 53 and the owners get 48. By the way, how ridiculous to some degree is that the owners get 48% of the money? Yeah, I get they own those teams at the same time. It's like they own it uh, by the will of the players. Uh, it's you know, uh, baseball's refusal to open books. It's just, it's hard to trust them, right? And again, these are billionaires who we give them free stadiums, who you look at what happened with the Indians. uh, The city agreed to give them, we talked about this on the show, a bunch of municipal money. Uh, And then that helped the Dolans, who are, you know, extremely rich, sell that team for even more. Like that was part of the reason that they got even more money in their sale because, uh, there's the whole new sa- stadium deal and lease and the money going into that. And that, you know, it's the ridiculousness that it is a stadiums are a public handout for billionaires. Um, but, but we never seem to get as angry about that as we do other things. But yeah, that's, that's just kind of my thought. I mean, I'm, I'm in pro player camp. I don't know what to tell you at this point in time. I just, I think the, the owners are managing to do everything they can to make themselves look like a bunch of billionaires who are disconnected from reality. And I think they are managing to succeed in that. Um, I would love a situation, like I said, that allowed Cleveland to keep Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, players like that for life. 
Uh, I would also love to actually see the money. <laughs> see the money train. Uh, that's a can we where's where's anonymous? Can they start hacking? Can we get the real get the you know there's all the things through the political years about the the tax returns and the birth certificates. I, I don't care about that. I'm it's not my thing. I mean you can't avoid hearing about those things and I mentioned both because this way that's both sides of the political coin. I don't care about that. Hackers, who cares? You know, that's just political ways to motivate people. I want you to to get the real get get open the books. Let's see what baseball really makes. Let's see what these teams really make. That's that's don't do anything illegal. I am not calling in arms to do anything illegal, but I think that would be the really interesting information uh, to find out when it comes to this sport. Like I said, it, it would be a perfect world. It would be like the NBA. It would be like the NFL, where when you are Cleveland and you're lucky enough to land someone who's going to be a Hall of Famer, you can keep them. They can stay here. Now, they don't always. (laughs) We've gone through that. But you have the mechanisms to keep them. And there are reasons why, uh, you know, a player is more likely to stay in those leagues. And, yeah, I wish wish baseball, and it's hurt. I I know a lot of people who just aren't baseball fans anymore because they got tired of the revolving doors. You know, there were a lot of bandwagon jumpers in the 90s, let's be honest. And then a lot of those bandwagon jumpers jumped off as the stars left town that's that's the way of sport that is the way of things i've been jeff ellis this has been the lockdown guardians podcast remember to rate and review subscribe on youtube we've got like uh 32 subscribers let's get that number up uh let's get that hundredth uh itunes review download daily all that fun stuff i know you know i'm trying to keep it fresh let me know what you want too. hit me up on twitter at jeff draft so i can give the fans what they want on the podcast I see we have hundreds of downloads every day, but the Twitter has gone very silent. I get that. It is a not-so-fun time, but I do appreciate everyone who is sticking with me, downloading, and doing all of that. I love you all from the bottom of my heart, and uh, hopefully this baseball-shaped heart will be able to talk about real baseball sooner rather than later. Not real baseball. We'll be able to talk about professional baseball. I still love college baseball. I'll be watching it tomorrow night. Maybe I should do a watch party at some point in time. Maybe I should figure out how to do a watch party to do that at some point in time. I'll be talking with Lindsay over at uh, the MLB Prospect Show sooner rather than later. He and I have had some back and forth. Uh, But for now, I will end as I end every show. Go, go, Guardians, go.